The Mets are now eliminated from playoff contention. (laughs) We break down how the Mets season crumbled away and how disappointing this team actually was. The post Mike Puma will join us and tell us about his exchange with Steve Cohen. You won't want to miss this one. Plus a final trip to the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy. It's all next on Amazing But True from the New York Post. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. It's Welcome back to Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. I'm Jake Brown alongside my co-host, former Mets pitcher Nelson Figueroa. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio, at FiggyNY, and at Amazing But True. Follow the show and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review. While the games mean nothing, you can still go back and listen to old episodes with great guests from the last year and two years, year and a half that we've had the show going. And Mike Puma is going to join us later in the show, and he'll tell us about that exchange on Twitter with Steve Cohen and actually what happened afterward. Won't want to miss that. We'll have the final installment, my final lesson of the year at the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy. High Price Academy is now over. This will be the season finale, and the season finale is approaching for the Mets. Their playoff season finale is over. It wasn't a good ending. It was it was very anticlimactic. I think it was Saturday. They basically were eliminated from playoff contention due to results from other games. Couldn't control their own destiny. And here I was thinking that these four games against the Marlins might mean something. They won't mean a goddamn thing, Figgy. And uh, they had to witness a celebration in milwaukee everyone's pounding beers all the uh you know milwaukee's one of the homes of beer i think milwaukee invented beer we'll miller say. it is miller park yes it is miller park they invented cheese they invented beer some of the finer things in life and the mets performance wasn't finer because it looks like a team that's just flat out quit they look like they they've packed it in once they were eliminated they just don't care and they are ready for this season and well i can't even blame them i am too but a disappointing season and pretty incredible that a team that was in first place for 90 days now on monday the 20 seventh they have been eliminated for two days with seven to go who would have thought figgy mid-august even during that rough stretch with the giants and dodgers non-stop that we'd be sitting here with a week left with nothing to play for uh not many people would have said that and especially if you just go back to mid-june and july and the mets are 90 days straight and first place and you're thinking oh they're getting all their big pieces back and the lineup is going to be complete and the rotation is going to be set and the bullpen is going to be solidified and the trade deadline is coming now we go now we go (laughs) yeah go straight down is exactly what happened so you're trying to you, you know this, you can't finish less than third place with only six games left to play. I don't say that the team quit. I'll never say that guys quit. You're a professional. You're still going about your business. Also, there's things to play for. Guys have individual things that they want to play for. There's guys that are going to be free agents. There's guys that are, you know, hoping to put themselves in better standing for next year. So I will never say that a team quit. I was part of many a team that didn't make the playoffs and got eliminated a lot sooner. And that's usually where it's like, all right, well, I got to prove to this team that I'm not I'm part of the solution, not part of the problem. So I can hopefully see some of that here over the next few games. Guys that are going to get an opportunity to pitch. Um, guys are going to get an opportunity to play. A disappointing season all around. And when you talk about stressful, stressful for everyone involved, especially the players. I think I've never seen a season with more on and off field stresses 
that came to the forefront and the everyday things where last year, the things that they had to battle the most was COVID, right? They had to battle uh, going through all the protocols, wearing masks, the whole nine yards. You know, that was a, a tough thing. But this year you had the fans back in the field. You had the thumbs down situation. You had the DeGrom uh, pitching like the best pitcher who's ever uh towed the mound and then all of a sudden you can't get back out there and throw more than four innings without getting hurt you know that leaves you with a lot of question marks there's a lot of question marks with this team moving forward um that we didn't foresee we thought this team had everything and had the depth and had the ability to really be a contender and slowly but surely you saw the real contenders rise you saw teams that we say it every year there's a team that comes out of nowhere. The Nationals were that team a couple of years ago in 2019. Now the Cardinals are that team. They're streaking. The Cleveland Indians, where Lindor had played, where they won 22 games in a row, were a team that streaked right into the playoffs and took it all the way to the World Series. So that's what you look to do is gel at the right time, get hot at the right time. Those 90 days, uh, well, they may stand as the best 90 days of a first-place team in baseball. It's all meaningless when it happens before uh, the season is over. So hopefully we can, uh, again, there'll, there'll be six games left to play, whether we watch them or not, whether they win or not. But it just, I guess, is a fan appreciation night is supposedly happening one of these nights. And uh, it'll be uh, not too many people in the stands to watch. Yeah, if again, you said the final six, there's seven. But, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't matter at this point. I mean, Tuesday, this is the doubleheader against the Marlins. And, I mean, maybe you watch for a Syndergaard inning or a DeGrom inning, even though it's nonsensical at this point for these guys to even pitch. But nine games under, another sub 500 season and it's disappointment you know there was just too much talent on this team even with the non-stop injuries the fact that even with those injuries and the likes of Cameron Maben and Mazika Magic and Khalil Lee and all these guys guys you even for this a bunch you even forget about Figgy like even those guys are when they were in first and to think that the guys who were supposed to carry them didn't get them there is what makes this season just so tough to swallow and now you know you watch maybe do we root for the Mets to play spoiler in Atlanta the final weekend and hope for the Philly well the Phillies would have to take care of their own business but you know the Phillies take care of the Braves then the Mets would have to play spoiler I mean do you have a preference I mean you played for the Phillies so I assume you prefer them but do you care if one of those teams wins Oh, I, I have no stake in, in it anymore. But I tell you what, as the Mets, I hate to watch two celebrations in front of my face in one season. Oh, my God. That, that'd be the second one. So if you have a chance to spoil that, at least you did something. So you can't say, well, at least we won the Subway Series. That would be the only you know, good thing they did this year. And that was the time that they showed fight. That was the time that they showed heart and energy. And, and Lindor was electric in the stadium, the fans. It was like a perfect microcosm of what you would want every game to look like and not saying that Lindor has to hit three home runs but the, that energy at the ballpark it was un, unreal you know that that was something that I, I think every player wants to feel every fan wants to feel like look we have a chance to win every game if we just you know, you know play that way root that way it just it's that energy that environment is just I, I'll tell you it's everything you want as a as a player that when you're down on that field the only way to get that is to play better to play well to play at a level where people, you know, will give you respect. I think Baez, you know, personified that. He personified that because of everything. He took his lumps, you know, he did the whole thumbs down thing. And and as I said, to a man, there's many a guy, and I talked to Schoenweiss, I talked to Heilman right after that happened. And, you know, I wanted to get them on as guests to talk about it, but I wanted to kind of let it die out. You know, that's something that, you know, it haunts you for a while for most of these guys. You know, it's not about having thick skin. It's, it's, it's about people not realizing 
like how difficult it is to be one of 750 or so 900 guys that are in the major leagues. And when you get booed by your home fans and how it, it mentally just messes with you, he said something about it, right? Everybody applauds Simone Biles, mental health. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she, everybody applauded Simone Biles. When Javi Baez stood up for himself and said, you're going to boo me, I'm going to boo you. Okay, if you're a New Yorker, have thick skin. So what? Say so what? You don't want to be booed? Play better. And he'll say, no problem. You're right. And what did he do? He has played better. He has been the one guy that has run every ball out, has rounded bases, has taken the extra base, has dove on every single play, no matter what, whether he's facing the right way or not. And so you got to like that. You got to love that kind of energy. And I think that's something that I want to see more of, whether he signs here or not. He's a player that's always been exciting. He's a player that always you're looking at the Javi Baez highlights every week. Um, you know, but I, I think that's the kind of thing. This team was so, was so vanilla when it didn't have that kind of play because they didn't run bases. They didn't steal bases. Brandon Nimmo was the second fastest guy on the team and can't steal bases, won't steal bases. They don't let them steal bases. There was station to station. It was swing and miss. It was McCann killing every rally possible by hitting into double plays. It was just such a, a, a season of, man, how are we still in first place? Because everybody was playing so terribly. Then the Braves made all their moves. Their, their outfield went from three guys you never heard of after Acuna, got, Acuna gets hurt, three guys you never heard of, to three all-stars, or guys who had played in the all-star game at least. It changed everything for them. Duvall, who's you know right there at the top in home runs and RBIs. You got Soler, who's tearing the cover off the ball. And Eddie Rosado, Rosario, who's, uh, you know uh, again, a really good player who always seems to just be the odd man out. So I, I just look at it as a, a huge learning experience as a fan and as an analyst of the game that we don't know everything and we don't have the answers for everything of why things happen but i can tell you this much you score more runs than the other team you win every single game so the pitching thing you can only pitch uh so well for so long the bullpens are getting drug out and that's all around baseball they're, they're getting too many bullpen innings compared to starters innings they're almost equal in some areas which is disgusting you know you want those starters to be your horses so i, I i'm looking for a very different version of the 2022 Mets than the 2021 Mets. New manager, new GM, new roster. And, you know, as much as we have, you know, affinity for some of the guys who were here, like Adam Smith, you love the guy. And at times you like Jeff McNeil and you like Conforto. You got to kind of put your nice guy thing in the past. You got to move on to a better baseball team. And, you know, that might start with Javi Baez. The question is, is he going to get 25 million a year? Is he going to get 30 million a year? But you have to give him an offer at this point. He's just been too good. 309 with the Mets, nine homers, 22 RBIs in the 42 games here. You have to give him something. And if he turns it down and goes elsewhere, so be it. But it be a mistake if you let him walk without anything you know if, if he doesn't stay you consider Correa and you know we'll talk about this stuff on the finale next Monday but you know there's a lot that has to be done for this team I mean we just asked for meaningful September games and the only ones they got were the Subway Series and since that it has been a tailspin the Cardinals since that you know that funeral that I was at Tuesday that Tuesday Mets Cardinals X training loss they have not looked back. I mean, 16 in a row for them, and they're going to run away with that second wild card. And I don't know. I'm re I need a vacation. I'm re I honestly don't even care about the postseason. Like, I might not watch most of the playoffs. I'm not going to lie. Maybe that makes me a bad baseball fan, but I am just so demoralized after what happened to the Mets that now I got to deal with the Jets, Figgy. And I almost called you Cos, my Jets co-host. I got to <laughs> deal with, with the Jets ineptitude, the Giants ineptitude. And here I am weeks away. 
hoping for Knicks basketball. And that hasn't been something I've said since like 2000. So we'll see. We'll have uh, Mike Puma on in a few minutes to tell us about his uh, run-in with Steve Cohen, at least the Twitter run-in, and what Cohen responded to him with off of Twitter. So we'll have that in a few minutes. But coming up next, we put a bow tie on the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy right here on Amazing But True. Bienvenido, mi gente. We don't have any cool music to go with this segment. It should come in with some salsa playing, a little merengue, something to liven it up. We'll work on that for next year. Here's the music. Ozuna! Oh, God. Here we go. He was at at City Field. He was the best thing to hit City Field this season on Saturday. Uh And and then Bad Bunny with his uh, 10 Latin Grammys. Anyway, uh, back to the class. Uh, Atención, atención, Mr. Jacobo. Cafe. We are at the final exam for Mr. Jake Brown. Year-long session, trying to get him more culturized, more uh, in his element in Astoria, Queens. We got some phrases that he's been working on, and he's gotten a lot better with it. He uses it as much as he can whenever we're at City Field and we're around fans that he can try and habla cone. He usually he gives it a whirl to see if they... Habla espanol. See if they, see if they laugh at him the way that we do. Uh, but it, it's been a, a, a fun segment all year long today's hey, finals haven't been in premar premier lugar in a while hey johnny cueto <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> you are <laughs> yeah exactly he's, he's loving it so we have three phrases and these phrases kind of sum up the mets year and being a met fan so we'll go we'll start out with the first one nunca te rindas what does that mean nunca te rindas means never give up. Never give up. All right. Well, that's not too relatable to this Mets team well, right now. But that, that, It's about <sighs> being a Mets fan. You got to – let's hear it. Nunca te rindas. Nunca te rindas. Ooh, that was almost a roll. That's close. Nunca te rindas. Nunca te rindas. Yeah, it went away. Yeah, yeah. What is the second word? Te. Te meaning you. Like Te nunca, rindas? Mm-hmm. Nunca te rindas. Nunca te rindas. I like the gusto at the end. You got to do a little Spanish flair with the hands or something. My gusto is always on point. It's just the R rolling that is never on point. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be a tough one to overcome, but we'll keep working. Uh, nunca te rindas, never give up. And, uh, of course, that's the uh, motto of a Met fan. Uh, here comes the second one. Siempre hay el próximo año. Excusez-moi. Siempre hay. Siempre hay. El próximo año. El próximo año. Próximo. Prox- pro- pro- próximo. Pro- Proximo. Proximo. Siempre hay el próximo año. Siempre hay. What's the Hay. El, el próximo año. Siempre hay el próximo año. Siempre hay próximo. El próximo año. Good God. Too, I got to write this down. All right. One word at a time again. Here we go. Go. Siempre. Siempre. I. What is I? Like the letter I? H A Y. I. I, okay. Is. Siempre hay el próximo año. El próximo año. Siempre hay el próximo año. Why do you sound like a speaking spell? What the hell? Siempre hay el próximo año. No, no, that doesn't make it more Spanish. Don't do that ever again. <laughs> it's, oh, it stands for there's always next year. Oh, no. Oh, oh yeah. Man. Siempre yeah, hay el próximo año. What's the last one? Last one. Gracias por tu participación. Oh, that's easy. Gracias por... T- t- never mind. <laughs> <laughs> What's the third word? Two. Two is the third oh. word. Gracias, <laughs> por tu- Gracias por tu participación. 
Junior. Gracias por tu anticipación. No, not anticipación. Gracias por tu participación. Gracias por tu participación. What the pation? Why'd you turn to French at the end of that? I'm used to French. Gracias por tu participation. Partridge in a pear tree. Like, like, like. Passion, like passion. Gracias yeah. por tu participación. Gracias por tu participación. Participación. Gracias por tu participación. Gracias por tu Gracias por tu Gracias. Gracias por tu participación. How do you throw eight more eight more syllables into a five syllable word? Vanna White would be charging me oh, up the wazoo for all these mouths. Gracias por tu participación. Passion. Gracias por tu participation. Gracias por tu participation. Pampers, <laughs> diapers. I thought it would have been an easy one to end it with, but obviously it means thank Gracias you. Gracias por it tu means, participation. Yeah, Pasión. that was better. It Gracias means thank you, for, thank you for your participation. Okay. Gracias por tu participation. There you there go. Is, right? All right. Gracias por it. tu participation to all the listeners of my horrid attempts at spanish i think i got like a c mate c let's give me a c plus i think Ooh, for the season I'll give, I, you know what i'll give you a c plus just based on effort and you kept coming back to class and kept giving it a, a good try even though you know it may not have had the best results but i tell you what your vocabulary has grown immensely so we have to continue working on that and uh we'll have this segment ironed out for next year sure all right adios esperanza the playoffs i had demasiado errores um i ate some crabejo this year no uh, crabejo you know, the mets are a lot of cuerpo Cra- de muer- muer- crabejo is not a word cangrejo cangrejo oh, God. uh that c know, plus just went to a c the mets had the mapache de mejorar this year they had a lot of baseball descuidado un maton de errors uh just a lot of a lot of that happened those are some of the some of the words the booster of inyetame con la vacuna coming by next by uh, next year that's for sure uh uh the, how do you say booster do you know how to say booster boost boosteranza boosteranza <laughs> Booster, it's the same. Aumentar, aumentar, like to aument. Aumentar. Aumentar. All right, I think my C plus just went to a C minus yeah, this week. Right. All right, thanks everyone for coming. Gracias por tu participation in the <laughs> Academia de Melchior Figueroa. Jack Brown. Au revoir, Jacques. A tout à l'heure. Sacre bleu. Mike Puma's next. All right, joining us for probably the final time of the 2021 season as we are a week away from the misery coming to an end. I've lost hair, and I don't even have hair this season from watching the Mets, especially the last six weeks. It's the New York Post, Mike Puma. Follow him on Twitter at NYPost underscore Mets. Read his stories in the post, nypost.com, and subscribe to Post Plus, and you'll get your 30 days free membership there. And it'll allow you group text with Puma, I think, or something, where the fans could talk to you. Puma, did you know about that? <laughs> yeah, we, you know what? We did something. We did like a question and answer thing last week. That was kind of fun. Nice. How did that go? Yeah, that was good. There was uh, there's a decent number of questions. I, I thought it went pretty well. I'm sure not all happy campers who are sending in these uh I don't these think there are any uh, happy campers. <laughs>
Uh, you could also get Puma's book, If These Walls Could Talk, New York Mets and Amazon, wherever you get books. Puma, you witnessed the Brewers clinch the division in front of the Mets. The Mets were hoping that would not be the case. They were hoping that they would have some form of confetti raining down in the streets of Flushing, but unfortunately, they were eliminated over the weekend from playoff contention. Overall thoughts, just wildly disappointing in my eyes and another sub 500 season for a team that very much underachieved yeah you know it's obviously disappointing not to make the postseason the other thing is they just went out with such a whimper here you know it's one thing if you're playing reasonably well and and get eliminated it's another thing when you just totally roll over like the Mets have here in the the last few weeks uh 13 out of 16 or whatever the number is now that that they've lost and it's just been uh you know it's, it's been the same thing over and over again here not hitting with runners and scoring position the, the pitching hasn't been as as crisp as it it was earlier i think some of the, those arms are wearing down a little bit but i i think just you know overall just the nature of it if they could have you know played a little 500 or a little over 500 and, and get eliminated you say well at least maybe they put up a, a little bit of a fight here at the end but they didn't even do that yeah if you were to go back and say to me hey it would take 90 wins to win this division uh remember the national league east was thought to be one of the best divisions in all of baseball if you would have told me 90 wins it would take i would say you were crazy right now if the braves win every single game they make it to 89 i mean it's been such a disappointing national league east and with all that being said and done i look back to what was it july 26th where the mets were at that crossroads of what are we going to do the deadlines come in and you know are we all in or are we just going to kind of tread water and to me i think they treaded water and wanted to see what would what would possibly happen so in your eyes you know what do you think was the breaking point for this team yeah and you know i was talking to uh for a story the other day i, I talked to jd davis about this and he, he pointed out those games against the pirates where he thought were a real a turning point you know you had the, the four game series at, at city field right before the all-star break and then they went to pittsburgh out of the break and uh they played what was it seven games and they they lost four or whatever it was you know they they lost two out of three they're right out of the break and I I think you know those are games they really had to win you know I think that I think that's kind of where the snowball started there was losing those those games to the Pirates wrapped around the All Star break and then you know obviously you got to do better than you know now the Dodgers and Giants are good teams you got to do better than two and eleven against those teams you got to you know even if it's five and eight or something like. That. All the all those things add up there, um, you know, to get to September, and then uh, I, that the last gasp was kind of the Subway Series, winning two out of three against the Yankees. That it's almost like that was the Mets, uh, that was the Mets championship right there. They won the Subway Series, hurrah, and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> and then come out, then come out after that flat and lose what five straight, get swept by the Cardinals, and you see what the difference that it makes in baseball, right? The team that gets hot at the right time carries that momentum. They were playing the Cardinals. The Cardinals were so far back. It was not even a thought that they were going to have a chance at the wild card. Next thing you know, they put together 16 straight wins and are right now leading in the uh, wild card for the National League. And it's just a tale of basically a tale of two cities. Yeah, amazing how that goes. You know, and then I think there were some of some of the Mets thinking was like, wow, why couldn't that have been us that put you know put together that kind of streak? But just not good enough, you know. You, you, you just look at the team. Cardinals are a better team than the Mets, and you know the Mets just didn't have the the uh, the horses. This is why you know we our podcast is called Amazing but True. It literally sums up everything regarding this franchise from now until January. The Mets, Jets, Giants, and Yankees might not win sixteen games, <laughs> while the Cardinals have won sixteen in a row. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. The state of New York sports, as we just 
there's always next year. There's always next year. It's every year. It's the same old song. And especially with this Mets team, there were so many high hopes and so much, you know, underachieving that, you know, we start to look ahead Puma to the offseason. And I know SNY is putting out these polls of should he stay or should he go? Luis Rojas is gone on Monday, right? You know, I have to think so. Now, I, I don't know if it'll come exactly on Monday or what day it'll, you know, but short, Do it quickly, Puma. At, Stop waiting. At some point, shortly after the season. Now, technically, uh, he won't be fired. They can announce they're, he's not, they're not renewing his contract, you know. Oh, so, of course. You know, but I don't see any path to Luis Rojas returning here. The thing is, they're, they're going to hire a new head of uh, president of baseball operations. That person's going to want to bring in their own person. And, and it's not like uh, Rojas has a track record where, you know, they could say, well, you know, he, he's done this or that. I, I, I I don't see any path to Luis Rojas staying. And is it true Sandy is definitely back for next year? Sandy's back as the team president, and he's, you know, he's kind of leading the search here for the the president of baseball operations. So, you know, Alders is going to be still involved. It's, you know, it sounds like he he really wants to. He didn't want to do the baseball operations to begin with. He wanted to be team president. He wanted to be like what Randy Levine is for the Yankees. And the way everything kind of fell apart here, he was kind of thrust in into it with uh, between Jared Porter, you know, so it, it, it came down to basically uh, Sandy uh, leading the front office here in, in, in a role because he was kind of the last man standing. I just don't get Puma why Sandy Alderson will continue to make important hiring decisions when he's fumbled the bag, like a running back who can't hold out of the ball, why is he deciding who the next president is when he's probably gone in a year himself? I, I just don't get he probably that. probably is, and you know what part of it is? Steve Cohen doesn't know a lot of people in baseball. He's kind of leaning on Sandy Alderson there who knows everybody in baseball. And that's kind of what it comes down to. You know, Cohen's a, uh, it's not even a full year yet that he's owned the team and he's immersed obviously in his hedge fund. And uh, who does Steve Cohen know? Is Steve Cohen going to just fly blind on this and, 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 and try and hire somebody? I, I think it's probably wise to, to have Sandy Alderson around it because at least Sandy Alderson knows people. Yeah, that's one of the things from the very beginning. We we said that he has a familiarity with Sandy for a long time, being a a season ticket suite holder at City Field. So he's spoken with Sandy, I'm sure, several times on baseball and the state of the game and whatnot. So to have someone who can bridge the gap until um, you know you find the right people to move on and make the big decisions. I, my biggest thing is. I don't know any other fan base that knows their front office, like president, GM, assistant, like we do. Like it's, it's been unbelievable that you could not go outside of this fan base and say, hey, name me everybody in the front office in their position. <laughs> no one cares about that because they care about what's going on in the field. They care about winning and losing day in and day out. There's more controversy. There's more back page bullshit that happens with this team than in anywhere else. It's unreal. And and I'm, I'm at the point of, I want to pull my hair out if it wasn't so luxurious and curly. Okay, don't be <laughs> jealous. Luxurious. That, Get out of here. That's, that's the part that really drives me crazy is that no matter what you do, no matter who takes over, no matter who comes in, it always happens in some way, shape, or form. And Steve Cohen's a part of it as well. We've already seen him with Twitter fingers going on the attack. I, I, I don't see... This as a good beginning, uh, what we had high hopes for, what we had a, oh, this is going to be a change. It's going to be so different. 
it's a lot more of the same, isn't it? Yeah, it's basically this, this first year of Steve Cohen's basically been an extension of the Wilpon era. But what changes that? What what changes? How, how could that be any different? Because we said the Wilpons never showed face. The Wilpons never, you know, talked to the public. The Wilpons were always seen behind closed doors and, and pictures from afar and all these other things where they were kind of protected and they were away from everything. Steve Cohen was there in your face every single day. He's a man of the people. He speaks the voice of the people. Is that better? for this organization because you saw what it came down to as they're calling for accountability two days later their gm gets picked up for a dui what in the world can stop this train wreck it's been a train wreck they have to get a, a solid person in there to lead baseball operations whether that's billy bean david stearns theo epstein i mean whoever it is you got to get that person in there and let them do their thing now granted they thought they thought they had their person in uh, Jared Porter, and that turned out badly. Um, you know, I, I, I was talking to a, a, you know another owner over the weekend, and, and he was asking basically the same question here. It's like, you know, what's going on with the Mets? Uh, you know, he's raising the same points that you just raised right now. I don't know if you call it bad luck. I don't know if. You, you, you point it, you know, obviously some of it falls on Sandy's shoulders. He's the one who's hired these people. But at the same time, you know, you had one guy fired for sexual harassment, another guy fired for DWI. Um, you just wonder, some of the, some of this stuff was out there that they, they had to be able to pick up on. But at, at the same time, I think there's, a, there's an element of bad luck involved. Oh, absolutely. But the thing is, Puma, keep going back. We go back now. We hear about Mickey Calloway and his nickname, you know, going as his old. We knew this about Mickey Calloway already. We knew this about this guy. So if you know all these things, what are you doing as an organization? Why are you even risking it? It's New York. And all fans do, all, especially in this day and age of information where you could just, you know, click away and go snooping through everybody's business. All they do is look for that, and they will find it and pick it apart. Could you imagine, oh, my God, if Trevor Bauer had signed with the Mets? Holy cow. They, they would have had to stop the season. They would have had to stop the season. It would have been protests, marches outside of City Field every single day. Meanwhile, the Dodgers, nobody cared. They got rid of their best pitcher, and they didn't skip a beat. You know why? They got better on the field. They went and made great trades. They played great baseball. No one cares who the front office regime is. No one even knows. It's like a conglomerate, which Magic Johnson and everybody else, no one knows. Here in New York, we know and we feel like we know and we need to know more and more and more about these people. Whatever happens to that's the GM, that's the president of the team, that's what they do. And we don't even need to hear from them uh, until there's a trade made or something like that. Now it's like an everyday thing where we're seeking out what's going on, what's the next move. We shouldn't have privy to that inside information. We shouldn't have access to that inside information. Nobody's asking the Cardinals, GM, so how are you doing this with the 16-game winning streak? They're asking the players, how are you guys playing so well? It's just a very different element where I, I don't get how it, it, more onus has to be put on the ball players and the lack of hitting, the lack of situational hitting. You had a, a, a hitting coach change in the middle of the season that didn't work. And what are you going to do? Sit back and say that Quattlebaum was the man for the job. He did such a great job with it. The, the approach was the same as it was when Chile was there. The numbers say the same thing. So it, it's something that I think you have to go and uh, uh, when you say tear it down, we, we talked about this before, where do you stop tearing it down? Do you tear it down to the bones? Uh, Dom Smith, all these other guys that are now, if you sign back Baez and you're looking at, oh, you got Cano coming back, you got all these other factors, where 
do you stop with a teardown? And are you willing to do that? Because you say, oh man, what if they did hit just a little bit? They would have been right in the mix, right in the mix of this thing all the way to the end. Here's the one thing. I, I don't think they can bring back the same group. I don't think you can bring back all these guys and just chalk it up to saying, well, you know, all these guys had down seasons. I think I- so. Was was twenty twenty a good season, or was you know what I mean? Like uh, when they when they all hit great together, it was like, oh my god, this fourth best hitting team in all of baseball. So twenty twenty was a was the anomaly, right? It has to be because otherwise. But you're, you're looking at guys that you're going to lose or have to make you have, you're going to have to ante up on, right? You're looking at Syndergaard, Stroman. Conforto, there's about six guys, Baez, there's about six guys that that's a one quarter of your team. Yeah. That already makes it look very different. Yeah, VR is so another guy, yeah. VR is another guy who is a guy that you would want to keep, but you know what? His stock went up. He's going to have to get paid for that. Rich Hill, for everything that he's not, he pitched you know fairly well for a guy being 41 years old. And, and did he strike out 10? No, but he went out and he was very serviceable. I don't see, like, unless it's something major, and something major was, look at this, Lindor Baez in the same team. That was a major move. But look at all the peripherals around it. Pete Alonso and Brandon Nimmo were the only two bright spots on the offense. And that's when Nimmo, Nimmo was in the line. Nimmo was healthy, yeah. I mean, right. when I, healthy. You can make an argument that Alonso, Alonso was probably the team MVP this year. Just a guy who was, was Without in, a doubt. in there every day, uh, didn't have any peaks and valleys really to his season. I, 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 I think it was a very good season by Alonso. But, you know, other than that, yeah, Nimmo's the only other guy you can make a case for. And he's somebody who missed half the season. So you got to take a long look at, at the rest of this crew. Now, obviously, Lindor isn't going anywhere. And James McCann, uh, I, I, you know, I think they're stuck with James McCann. You know, there's a couple of built-in factors there. Now, do you want to give uh, another $300 million contract? To, to Javi, you know, in this case, buyers is something you got to think about uh, having $600 million tied up uh, in your middle infield alone. Uh, I know Steve Cohen's got a lot of money, but you know, that's something you, something you have to weigh here. You have to think about uh, what you're going to do with at third base here. Now, do you try and bring back VR as, as a stopgap until one of your prospects is ready, whether it's uh, Beatty or, or Vientos or, or is, is that J.D. Davis again? You know, we know they were down on J.D. Davis coming into the season so you know that's one of the guys they'll be they'll be making a decision on McNeil's another guy they'll be making a decision on you know Dominic Smith Conforto obviously how that's gonna how that's gonna go down now there's not a lot of outfielders out there on the free agent market there's, there's a couple but not that a 28 turning 29 and you were homegrown I get that but I don't know what kind of a discount you're gonna get for him having subpar season when you have Scott Boris as an agent who hates <laughs> hates the Mets <laughs> Steve Cohen has many decisions to make, and I'm. I mean, you could still say his name. He's not Voldemort, although you know he tweeted out your name. You know, we haven't spoken to you since the the tw- Twitter gate. I don't know if you want to comment, but uh, anything to respond to what no, Cohen? You know, I think Steve. Me. I think Steve Cohen was trying to have fun with it, and where I thought it, where he took it too far was when he named Samson there as the source, and people took it as gospel, and that kind of took the whole thing to a whole new level you know I, I think he could have just left it at having fun with uh and and by the way as i said previously samson wasn't the source and uh, but you know i i just thought it, it kind of went too far at that point and then that you know that created another circus next thing you know samson's on the radio defending himself and it, it, it was a three ring circus but you know i think the whole thing just started out with is cohen trying to have some fun with it a little bit and it just kind of took off from there well it's funny because he's like oh the winner will get sit with me in the suite i don't know if anyone wants to go to met game this week you know <laughs> i'm giving my tickets away i ain't go i can't i can't watch this anymore they, they've quit they've fallen and quit on this season and 
obviously eliminated now. There's like no reason to go. It's like, oh, come see Noah Syndergaard throw one inning for seven pitches, and then we'll take him out. Come get tickets. You know, first that was two. That was two years ago, too. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, first ten thousand fans get a get a wig. They get a they get a wig <laughs> weird on Halloween. You know, maybe we'll um, get to see, maybe we'll get to see the Grom throw an inning too. So. Yeah, which makes no sense to me to even risk that. So you guys haven't spoke. You you and Steve Cohen don't text or anything. I'll t- I'll, I'll give this up. The, after he tweeted that, he called me that morning to say that he was having fun with it, not to take it personally. You know, so we had a brief conversation. Breaking news into the amazing but true newsroom is that all things are good with Puma and Cohen. It's good to hear. Yeah, because I don't. You know, I don't want the Mets owner coming at our company here at the New York Post <laughs> and then coming at Puma. I'm texting that morning, then I check Twitter after. I'm like, he might might be a little. Bit see this morning <laughs> responding to you must have been shocked waking up to that you i hope you didn't drink the morning before because if you had a hangover mixed with that it would have been a double i actually line. got a phone call from somebody i was in bed and the the, the, the phone rang it was somebody telling me about it and i said oh no what's what's going on here <laughs> <laughs> nothing worse nothing worse i don't i didn't even wake up yet what did i do <laughs> I wonder how he came up with Samson, then, if that's not the case. I, do you know where he came, pulled that name I mean, out of his hat? There's some bad blood, I think, between the two of them. And I, I guess Samson has a podcast, I guess, where he's been, you know, knocking Steve Cohen. So I think that's where that came from. But Interesting. And he hasn't tweeted since. His last tweet is, by the way, who is this guy? That could be an evergreen tweet <laughs> for so many topics used for many years to come. So we'll see if he if he comes back to life on Twitter after the season. Well, the Jet, the Mets will be busy. I got the Jets on my mind. Oh, my goodness. Mets, Jets, Knicks, just a, just a rough week, a rough life. <laughs> just pure misery, Puma. NY Post underscore Mets on Twitter. Mike Puma, good talking to you this season. And uh, take a vacation, Puma. You'll, you'll get started early next Monday or Tuesday. Oh, then uh, all the off season stuff starts. The vacation doesn't start till about mid January. You have maybe uh, two weeks before spring training, but who knows? Who knows how that calendar is going to shake out this year? There's going to be probably an added wrinkle there. So I always expect the unexpected. Yeah. So hold, hold, hold the flights. Hold your uh, tickets to Aruba, then I guess. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Puma. See ya. That'll say goodnight to episode 90, the nameless edition of Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to you, Jake, for solo producing this show. Give Amazing But True a five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Email us at amazingbuttruepod at gmail.com or tweet us at amazingbuttrue. For Nelson Figueroa, I'm Jake Brown. We'll return on Thursday for our second to last episode of the season with special guest Omar Manaya. Thanks for listening, folks. Enjoy the meaningless games this week at City Field. Peace.